That's a beautiful thing. Hello, North Carolina Comic Con. How are you guys doing? <laughs> On behalf of the event organizers, I want to welcome you to North Carolina Comic Con 2015. We hope that you're having a blast. If you have any questions or need assistance at any time, look for one of our volunteers in an orange henchman t-shirt. And one special reminder, don't forget to check the program for a full listing of panels, workshops, and special events, including tonight's Guardians of the Gala cosplay ball in the Armory starting at 8 p.m. My name is Chris Nielsen. I'm with Neighbor Active Podcast. Uh, we're recording this if you want to check it out after the fact. Um, if you're an aspiring comic book artist, writer, creator, you're in the right place. Today we're joined by Action Lab Entertainment's Dave Dwatch. You got it. Um, Kevin Freeman. I don't see a Kevin Freeman. Kevin called out sick. Kevin's not here. Uh, Top Cow's Teeny Howard. <laughs> Top Shelf Comics, Liz Prince. <laughs> and also Daniel Way. Uh, they're here to discuss how creators can get their foot in the door of the comic Do you spell your name with the question mark again? Take it away. Always. Yeah. It's all you guys, yeah. Hi guys! Hey everybody! Hi. How many how many artists are in the room? Uh, we'll how many take... writers? <laughs> the rest. Pretty pretty split. All right, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be interesting. So uh, you guys should meet each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't but no, seriously. It's really, it's totally true. Um, so just a little background on me. Uh, I started Action Lab with uh, four other guys in 2010. Uh, we were all sitting around a bar, and uh, we'd all been doing indie comics for years. And uh, we just decided that we all played, we wanted to play to each other's strengths instead of wearing so many hats. Uh, formed Action Lab in uh, 2010 and Eisner uh, nominations and everything else after that. So uh, it's a little bit on me. Where are you from? Hi. Where are you from? Um, <clears throat> so my name's Tini Howard. I'm a writer. Um, I've written primarily for Top Cow Comics. They're part of Image. They do uh, Witchblade and Magdalene and Postal, which is such a good book. Gosh, they're so good. Um, but uh, I broke in via the Top Cow Talent Hunt, which is something they're doing now, actually. They do, uh, they've done a few. Um, they won't be doing it again for a while. So I'll talk about that a little at some point, if you guys have questions about how to, that, how to do that. Um, I broke in that way, um, which is a little uncommon, because I got to do something that you don't often get to do, which is to write a script about a company's property and their character and send it to them. You can't do that in a lot of places. You can't send DC your Batman script. I mean, you can. They will. They have to trash it. Um, but you can't usually break into comics that way. Um, but I got to do that with uh, Top Cow, and I chose to write about the Magdalena, and it became this book, which came out in December of 2014, Seventh Sacrament, um, which was a lot of fun. And from there, I've kept up a really positive relationship with them. I pitched to them. I have pitches with them, like, all the time. Gotten to do one book, uh, Poseidon 9, which came out. I shouldn't do that, the recording. Uh, Poseidon 9, which came out in September. Um... And I've uh, done some anthology work outside of my work with Top Cow because one thing you learn is um, to kind of sow your wild oats. Uh, so I did, I did work with Oath Anthology. I did uh, an essay in Secret Loves of Geek Girls. I did a book in a, or I did an essay in an academic publisher's book about superheroes. I, I've been writing comics and write, oh, and I, I, I'm a columnist for TeenVogue.com as of like last week, which is cool. <laughs> my first column went out with them like last week, um, which is cool. Um, I get to write comics and I get to write about comics, which are things I love doing. Um, and it's great because every little thing I do is a little more in the industry that I love. Um, yeah. I'm Daniel Way. 
Uh, most of you probably know me for the stuff that I wrote for Marvel, so I did it for about 13 years. Uh, I started out as a self-publisher, and uh, now I'm back there. Um, basically, to see if I can do it better and better this time, <laughs> and actually enjoy it. Um, I just recently did a Kickstarter for a book. Anyway, I'll talk about that later, but that's me. This is Liz. Hi, I'm Liz Prince. Uh, my background is mostly in self-publishing and small press. Um, through making my own zines and comics, I was discovered by Top Shelf Productions. My first book came out in 2005. It's called Will You Still Love Me If I Wet the Bed? Um, it Which won I bought. Ignatz yeah. Award for Outstanding Debut. Well, great. Thanks, you guys. Like um, that was us. <laughs> <laughs> the three copies I sold. Um, You're welcome. Uh, it is not a self-help book for kids who wet the bed, although it has shown up on many Amazon reading lists for that, so I hope some parents have bought it and been like, why does this book say boner so many times? <laughs> <laughs> and from there, I've just mostly been writing and drawing comics about my life. Um, my first graphic novel came out last year, which is a memoir about my childhood and gender stereotypes called Tomboy, um, and that was published by an imprint of Houghton Mifflin called Zest, and I've also done some work for some Cartoon Network books like Adventure Time and Regular Show. Um, I just wrote their Clarence miniseries. So. But it all started with just writing and drawing my comics for myself. Which I think that's, you kind of just nailed it right there, is there's, there's breaking into comics, which there's breaking into comics and there's creating comics. You can create comics. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. It, to most people that I talk to, breaking into comics means uh, kind of turning that corner and becoming a professional and paying your bills by creating comics. And that's really where panels like this are, are invaluable because not only can you learn about what we did correctly, more importantly, you can tell, learn about what we did wrong and what was a waste of time and effort because those are the types of things you just have to learn to, uh, if you can, if you can avoid them because it's not just that you don't get the thing that you're going after. It has kind of this exponentially cascading failure effect on you. And those can build up and you get, you know, there's, that's, there's a reason why the, the terms frustrated and artists are always never far apart. Um, but you, if you spend all your time there, you just, you're going to lock up and you're going to stop producing. Um, it's really Sounds about like forward motion. you have motion. some anecdotes. Yeah, I got a ton of them. I mean, I could, what I'm curious, and I don't want to kind of cowboy the whole panel. Is I really want to, I'm curious to know what you guys are looking for information-wise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can speak for myself. I'm an open book. I'll tell you. I'll tell you anything. Yeah. Like, we don't have a moderator, so do you guys just want to ask yeah, us questions, and we'll just answer them and, and probably talk too much because we're all just desperate for someone to listen to us. That's why we make stuff. Um. <laughs> what, what, what's, a, yeah, fire away. This kind of stuff. This, kind of stuff. this, yeah. this is great because unlike online, which really, when I got started, it was kind of a burgeoning thing. Um, you, you know, you can actually meet this person, you know, and talk with them and kind of build a, a, a real relationship as opposed to, it's, it's easy to fire off an email or communicate with someone via text or Facebook or whatever. But it just seems like you're more cementing the deal because you're going to be, if you can't do everything yourself, if you're not, if you're, if you can write, but not draw, if you can draw, but not write, if you can letter, color, ink, any of this stuff, design, um, you end up working pretty closely with some, and since it's all something you're basically doing for your passion, 
you're running two things right close to each other that it can, it's the reason why you can blow out. <laughs> you know, because you're working on something and you guys feel so much for what you're doing that if someone really wants to go in this direction, that person really wants to go in this direction. You, if you have that kind of touchstone that you can go back to and be like, wait a minute, you know, we actually get along. Like, we shouldn't be, we should kind of take a moment, think about this, and how can we come up with a solution to keep the project moving forward? Um, not, I not, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. I, have a, I have a good story about meeting collaborators. Uh, well, one is that I made two of the people that have become like close friends of mine in comics at a convention walking around, you know. Um, I was a nobody. They were nobodies. We became friends, and now we've all kind of worked in the business together, and that's cool because now we can reach out to each other, vouch for each other, whatever. But, um, you know, my story I did for Oath Anthology, I did with an artist named Vanita Varik, who has done a little bit of work for IDW, um, but I didn't find her that way. I, uh, I followed her Tumblr because she had really cool fan art, and I liked it. So I looked at her fan art, and then one day looking at her art, I saw that she drew comics. She had a webcomic. I was like, that's cool. Um, I didn't even know that she had done work for IDW, um, but I, I found a call for an anthology online, and the call for the anthology basically went like this. Writers, you need to send us a pitch and an outline and your idea. You need to have an artist with you. The artist just has to show evidence that they can do sequential art. Like, do you guys know the difference between pinups and sequential art? Like, a pinup is just like a picture of, like, Deadpool, and then sequential art is, like, panels of Deadpool running and doing stuff. Um, so, uh, it says, like, artists, you have to just show us work you've already done that says you can do sequential art. Writers, we want to see your pitch, your idea for this specific story for this theme in this anthology. So I found her contact info on her blog, which if you have a blog or a web page or whatever, have your contact info on there so other people who want to make comics can find you. Um, sent her an email and said, hey, uh, there's this anthology. Don't know if it's of interest to you. It's of interest to me. Uh, I had this idea, a little like one sentence basic idea that I had. Um, you wouldn't, and then what I said was, you don't have to do anything other, if you're interested in the idea, you don't have to do anything other than approve what I'm writing and show your work that you have done sequentials in the past. I have to do all the writing work. If this gets okayed, then we both get to make the story and we both get paid. What do you think? And she liked it. She was like, this is great. I love this idea. Um, so we made that story together. It was a little 12-page story in an anthology called Fear of My Identity. It's coming out in February, I think. Um, and then I found out, oh, yeah, she had done, you know, a backup story for Kill Shakespeare, and she was interested in, you know, getting into the industry, too. So then after we did that, um, we've been working on a creator-owned pitch together for uh, a book that we're shopping around now. Um, we've submitted it a few places, you know, and, and it just, it all went from me seeing her blog, being like, you do art that I like, and you also like to do comics. What do you think? Um, finding opportunities like that that say you know, we'll pay you, but you have to have an artist with you, are good. Because it gives her an opportunity. Like, she didn't have to lift her pencil until we were told, yeah, you guys are good, you're in. Um, then she's working, and she knows that she's working to be paid. As a writer, um, you do a lot of pitching um, and a lot of writing that you might not get paid for. But yeah, but you got to get used to that. You get used to it, yeah. When you're writing a script, you're writing a document for a best like, three to four people. Yeah. You know, like it's not you're writing a lot of stuff that no yeah. one's ever going to see. But, um, but yeah, yeah, for me that was a really good situation because I didn't mind writing up my idea 
um, and she didn't mind saying, looking at it, approving it, saying she'd go along with it, and then we both actually did the work once uh, we were told, okay, this is how many pages you have, you're in, and you'll be paid for your time. Yeah, for, for me, uh, anthology work was key because I got to work with a lot of artists and cut my teeth as a writer. Uh, as I was transitioning out of art, I had so many ideas, I, I couldn't get them all out. Mm -hmm. uh, it would have taken me years to, to draw them all. So uh, we started working on an anthology uh, with one of who then, well, Sean uh, Gavern became my editor-in-chief at Action Lab. Before that, we were working in indie comics. He was working on this thing called uh, Short Stack, which was just uh, a writing exercise where he was just writing two-page stories. We called them two-page gory, gory stories. And he would find artists to work very low commitment on two pages, right? Yeah. And then by the end of it, we had a list of artists that we could pick from, and that's how we found uh, M. Goodwin for Princeless. She worked on two pages in this weird little anthology he was working on, and uh, we just contacted her and said, hey, do you want to work on something else? Here's the pitch on it. She took it, and it was off to the races. So, um, Anthology work is like the low commitment. Uh, it's, it's almost like a first date that you can have with another person, you know? Mm -hmm. We'll try it. Uh, and you can, you can learn from each other. And, uh, you know, hopefully people see it, and hopefully people like what you've, you've done, but you've made that connection. And that person knows people that knows people. And you have work out there. Yeah. Yeah, the... the when you introduce yourself and say, I'm so-and-so, I'm a writer, it's going to prove it. Like, are you? Because, <laughs> like, what can I, where, where can I see your stuff or where would I have seen your, you know, you need to have that follow-up ready, you know. Go ahead. Um, in terms of your creative ideas, how are your people stealing your ideas? Like, do you put it out there on Facebook? Or you got to get rid of that, that whole con. All right. Really? Don't worry about people stealing your ideas. Just don't worry about it. I mean I, I, I mean, I could put a really fine point on it, but there's, so you have this idea, and you, are, are you a, you're a writer or an artist? Um, just kind of playing around with ideas and stories. And that kind of All right, you really, you have like a crystal clear idea. The thing is like, you know, thematically, it's going to already be similar to something else. Right. You know, someone is, can take some angle out and say, well, that guy, they, you know, that's, similar to this. Uh, just don't worry about it. And that's a lot of creative energy. And frankly, I, just to be brutally honest with you, it's an excuse a lot of people use to not stop, start working on something. There's a really good... Just, just jet it. Just forget it. There's a really good $10 word I like called zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, that word is, is... It becomes my mantra when I've been uh, breaking my back over getting a pitch together for a publisher for months and I see coming now from this publisher this thing that looks an awful lot like the idea you had and I have to just like keep myself from like drinking bleach at the yeah. kitchen sink. Um, and it's like, well, don't do that because where did you get the idea? Because you put it together out of stuff you saw in pop culture. So did they. Um, your take on it should be beautiful and different. If your take on it is not beautiful and different, probably wasn't a very good story anyway, so scrap it and work on something else and now. Ultimately, what, <laughs> your, what your career is going to be built on is your style, not, not the specific plot points of one single story. Because like, if you were to sit down with three different storytellers and they tell the same story, they're all going to tell it a different way. I think like, work like what Liz does is really important and vital for that reason because it's relatable, because like um, that idea of... Um, like. I don't want to say slice of life in a way that sounds dismissive, but like I love your work. I think it's, oh, I think it's really, really vital. I don't think slice of life is dismissive. Oh, good. Some, <laughs> some people do because people get snobby and are jerks. But um, I think it's a really vital and important thing because 
Um, sometimes we get so wrapped up in like, well, it's a comic, so I don't have like a movie budget, so I can have like four mechs fighting five dinosaurs, and you forget like what makes your story human right. and, and, and vital. And <laughs> what should make your story yours isn't um, how many mechs you have fighting how many dinosaurs, it's what that means to you and why you're telling that story. And you can tell it as a story of um, a kid playing with those toys, or you can tell it as a story of an actual war between mechs and dinosaurs. It, it, what the, the heart of it is, is why you're telling it. You're telling it because you have something to say, not, you know. So I, as far as people, like, stealing my ideas, like, like no one can steal me. Like, but I do have a funny story about oh. that. Because even though I draw autobiographical comics, there was someone who was pretty much panel for panel, word for word, copying my comics, but drawing themselves into them. Whoa. Yeah. Um, that's, that's like, like super, single white female. That's, female. Right yeah. that's awesome. And it's really so weird. lame. Uh, they actually friended me on Facebook and then copied my profile drawing, but put them in it. And so I was like, what that's is this? Amazing. This is kind of weird. And you so made I it. it out further and they had like a whole blog full of comics that were my comics but that they had drawn so themselves lame. in. And Did you drag them out into the light to die? Or? <laughs> I wrote to them personally and was like, hey, I'm really flattered. It seems like you like my work a lot but it would be a lot cooler if you were writing your own comics that were maybe that's inspired by mine. That's probably the best possible yeah, way awesome. to do it. Because well, you, you really don't know what... Yeah, uh, they deleted their Facebook and blog and did not respond to me and then... <laughs> they So scurry back into the They scurried darkness. back but then a couple months later... Someone followed me on Tumblr, and their Tumblr name was the name of one of my comics. And I was like, oh, this is weird. What's this? And I clicked on it. And that kid was back on the s <laughs> And so I... Solid, solid pull. The oh, first time I creepy. hadn't taken <laughs> any screenshots creepy. of anything, because yeah. I was just like, this is weird. But so I took screenshots of, like, everything and was like, yeah. hey, I feel you like really need a, to, like, I not feel like do there's this. a comic in this somewhere. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I want to I see you draw a comic of the person About, drawing yeah, yeah. your comic. Super meta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Panels within panels. <laughs> so. You know what you should do is just, you should, your next comic, you should just put their name on it. And just put it out there and be like, I out-meted you. Yeah. Well, they, apolo- they were very apologetic. Oh, good. I don't know oh, yeah. They, they were, found but... the right medication and now they're all straightened okay, so. out. <laughs> but it was it's weird. Been... You think being an autobio comic artist that you... Yeah. Like yeah. The one thing you can't take. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess, but really, like, how do you prepare for that? Like, there's no, it's just such a, it's just bizarre, you know. Ulti- I've, I've, ultimately, when it comes to stealing ideas, uh, I, like, again, I, I agree, it's not really um, a thing, but it's, it's funny because, like, I'm, I'm friends with Justin Jordan, he's a great writer, and he's the kind of guy, like, he's friends with, like, the entire world on Facebook, and he'll seriously just be like... So I'm working on the story idea, and I'll just like talk about it. And he's and people have asked him before, like, aren't dude, aren't aren't you worried about just like laying out your whole idea on their Facebook, where you like friend all these randos, and like someone's just gonna take your story and run with it? And he's like, no, because I'm the writer. Like that's what I do. I'm not that open. I but that's because I believe in a certain amount of like reserving my own creative energy. Like, if I sit and I talk about my story incessantly to everyone who asks, I'll never write it. So, for me, I reserve talking about it 
I'd for rather... putting it on the page. And that's my way of sharing it with the world is to put it on the page. Yeah, my, my process is really weird when I'm writing. I obsess for weeks before putting pen to paper. I don't even write outlines half the time because by the time I sit down to write, my characters are, are formed in my brain. So they kind of dictate where the story goes. And it, it sometimes it surprises you where it goes. And I would never recommend that to any of you guys. Don't do that. But... Um, <laughs> But that's why I don't really share, because then I've, I've made a statement, this is the direction, where sometimes I just want it to, to form organically. And, I mean, to everyone's point, it's, it's not about the plot per se, it's about the emotional tether that the characters have for each other and that you have for the characters. So, everyone can write a Spider-Man. I mean, you could, anyone can swing from a yeah, building. Yeah, a long list why, of us, yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, that's my take on it. Um, that Just one last point is... But it is extremely valuable. If you can find another, like we're mostly talking about, we're talking about writing. Um, if you can find another writer who you can workshop ideas with or just bounce them you know, around, um, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's taken me, you know, 15 years, but I have about half a dozen writers that I can reach out to and be like, because I'll have, you know, I got act one, and, you know, I've got, yeah, I've got all these pieces, and I'm like, they're just not fitting together. And, and but what I need to know is, do they just not fit together? Or am I, like, is there something here that I'm not picking up on yet? Because at this, at this point, I haven't started writing. And a lot of times, characters will figure it out for you. Yeah. You know, They'll kind of lead you, oh, this way. But I can kind of highline something with another writer. Like, I'll call up, like, Marjorie Liu or, or, or someone else and be like, here's what I have. And, and she'll do the same thing with me. And that stuff's really valuable. You know, having a, a creative community, you know, surround mm -hmm. yourself with other people who understand kind of the torture and pain that you're going through, um, it can be really just great and yeah. invaluable. I see a hand. Oh. really want to hear from this Okay, yeah. 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 Really then we'll get to you. Okay. You get your hand raised. And... Far away. Like, why did, why did, how did we fall in love with comics and why are we yeah. not sleeping and writing and drawing? Um, my dad shared comics with me when I was, when I was a kid. He, uh, he worked for the electric company and we were in California, which we still are, but uh, they shipped him to New York and he was gone for like a year and a half. So he would send comics home to me and uh, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one was one of them. I mean, first printing. I mean, it, it, Wolverine one through four. I mean, I fell in love with comics because it was something that was a shared experience. It was tactile. So when he came back and saw wow, that I was taking care of them, uh, he knew it was important to me and we, we shared that. Um, and I think that that's what's really awesome about this and awesome about the industry in general is it's something tactile that we can all share and love it or hate it, we're kind of all in it together. It's, it's, it's a small business. Um, so that's kind of uh, where I came from with it. My, my brother started collecting comics and then, uh, yeah, started working in a comic shop and I just never gave it up. I'm 42 today and I'm still like... Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, it's yeah. your birthday? Yes. I feel like you're a Scorpio. I knew I liked you. I'm a Scorpio too. Yeah. My birthday was like last week. Oh no! no, no, no. <laughs> Tricked That's all I wanted was the song. Um, but yeah, no. I uh, it, it's it's been with me forever since I was uh, shit five six. So how about you guys? Um, my my I've always been a big reader. I've always loved reading, and um, I always loved reading comics. So much. I mean, they were just in my house. I started reading like Calvin and Hobbes books and stuff that my dad had on the shelf. Um, and then as I got older, I started reading uh, manga and I started reading a lot of like indie comics, like Sandman and stuff like that. Then it actually, uh, I didn't know, for, I, I've always been a writer. I did not know you could write comics if you didn't draw. 
I just didn't know that. I didn't. I spent my whole life reading comics, and I didn't think about the fact that that Neil Gaiman wasn't drawing them. I just read them because they were in front of me. And I, it, I was seriously, I mean, you guys are going to laugh at me. I was like in my 20s reading Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man and liked it so much that I went and looked up the guy that wrote this and found out he didn't draw and was like, oh my God, I just figured out what I'm going to do with my life. Um, because I like writing short stories and I love writing, comics are my favorite thing to read. So when I found out I could write them, I could write my favorite thing to read it blew my mind because I'd written a lot of like short stories. I love reading short stories. I don't love reading novels. I read a bunch of novels. Novels are not my favorite reading experience. But this whole my, my whole life, I was like, I gotta, I gotta write a novel because I'm gonna be a writer. And I would get like two chapters in and be like, <laughs> like I don't want to do this anymore. But I love telling stories and I love telling long stories. I just wanted to tell them. Like, I saw them in my head when I imagined them. And when I saw them in my head when I imagined them, it was the way that I would have wanted to read them. And I would sit there and write stories, like, maybe someone will make it into a comic book someday. And then all of a sudden, like, someone just cleared the dust out of my brain and was like, just write comic books. So I did. Uh, for me, I wasn't, I mean, I grew up really, really poor. <laughs> yeah, so even when comics cost, you know, 75 cents, I still couldn't, that still wasn't in the budget. Um, I was in my late teens, and I was hanging out in the pool hall, and I made a friend there, and uh, it turned out he was a manager of a comic book store, and I would always kind of make fun of him for that. And, um, nerd. What a nerd. Comic and, book stores. But at the same time, I was an avid reader and, you know, looked to watch films and everything. And this guy, his name was John. He, uh, he's the one that, that pointed out to me that comics were a medium and not a genre, I always just thought comic books were this one thing. And I was like, this is stupid power fantasies for nerds. And, sorry. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. And he's like, no, that's one kind. He says, here, I'm going to, so, like 11 o'clock at night, we're in his, we drive over to his comic store. He unlocks it. And he starts throwing these different kinds of books at me. He's like, read that, read that, read that. So I'm reading these books, and they're, there was, there was no costumes, there was no nothing, and it was just this really great literary, great stuff in there. And I'm like, are the, you know, are there more like this? And he's like, this, 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 there's hundreds, if not thousands. So I just started did just reading everything. And that's really where the light clicked on, because... I'd always kind of fancied myself. I, I liked the idea of writing, but I was completely intimidated by the idea of writing a novel. It was such a long commitment. And I, didn't, I just didn't want to do anything for that long. And, and he's the one who suggested, write one of these. It's like 22 pages. It's like, okay. So I, I took a swing at it, and I wrote a script, and I, and I found an artist, and I got some money from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guys through the Zurich Foundation. That gave, they used to do a grant called the Zurich Grant. And I self-published my first book, and I took it to a show like this, and kind of started from there. Um, when I was younger, I wanted to be a cartoon character when I grew up. <laughs> and then my mom told me that they weren't real, that they were just a series of drawings and sequence that, when photographed together, created the illusion of movement. And uh, that broke my heart for a little while. Uh, cartoons were pretty much my everything, and drawing was one of my favorite things to do. But it wasn't until I was in like third grade and I was at the supermarket with my grandmother when I saw my first uh, Uncle Scrooge comic. And the 
Donald Duck, Uncle Scrooge, DuckTales was Diving one of in my month, favorite the money. things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that was the first time I ever saw a comic book. And when I saw it, it was instantly like, oh, it's my two favorite things put together. It's a book and it's a cartoon, but it's one thing. Um, I used to make a lot of flip books with my friends because uh, we thought, well, if we can't be cartoon characters, maybe we'll be animators. And I don't know if anyone here has ever made a flip book, but it was taking us like 80 drawings to get a bird to flap its wings once and blink. And I was like, I can't believe people make hour and a half long movies like this. <laughs> I also didn't know that there was many people working yeah. on a cartoon. I thought it was just one person. Walt Disney His hand was being it off. really yeah. tired. I had a you very sheltered <laughs> um, But pretty much from that first time when I saw that Uncle Scrooge comic, I was like, well, this seems a lot easier than doing animation. And I'm fairly lazy, so that's <laughs> yeah. uh, what I wanted to do. Um, and so a lot of the comics that I was drawing when I was younger were based on those kind of anthropomorphic talking animal kinds of things. Um, and it wasn't until I was in high school and I started reading more stuff on the indie comics shelf in my local comic book store, I discovered um, Ariel Schrag's books about high school, awkward definition and potential. Um, she's a queer female cartoonist from uh, Berkeley, San Francisco area, who's only a couple years older than me, and she was drawing these comics about her experiences in high school while she was still in high school, and they were pub being published by Slave Labor Graphics, and they weren't short books. Like, mm -hmm. potential is like 300 and something pages. Yeah. Um, and so that was like the first time that I saw an autobiographical comic like that, and the artwork isn't especially polished. Um, reading the book is like you're reading her diary and her drawings, the way they're drawn, it's almost like you get to see how she sees the world. And that was kind of the first time that I thought like, oh, my artwork doesn't have to be per yeah. perfect, doesn't have to be really so, like, polished. I, I've been Brunetti stuff so much. Just yeah. like, this guy genuinely loathes himself, yeah. but he gets it onto the page somehow. Yeah, so that was the first time that I was really like, oh, I don't have to draw comics the Marvel way, I yeah, can yeah, just yeah. draw comics my way. And so that was, that was really... How I became, I managed to turn myself into a cartoon character by drawing comics about myself. So I we, all, we all knew you could. You do did it. it. Two-year-old <laughs> Liz would be so excited right now. I remember, like, for me, success was going to be drawing a Wolverine comic book. Like when yeah. I was a kid, and we used to do. We were in Artist Alley when we were 14 years old, and we'd get ridiculed, and we didn't care because we were there doing it, you know. Um, and now I'm like, I would never want to draw Wolverine. I would never want to write Wolverine. Yeah, uh, I so, did, and. You're yeah, on the right okay. path, sir. All right, cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think that a lot of people get, uh, they beat themselves up over what is success in comics, right? Mm. First and foremost, it's making the comic book, you yep. know? I mean, getting one out the door, getting someone to read it. Yeah. And that's really, that's it, stop. Because you're, whether they, they love it or hate it, as long as they're just not indifferent about it, you know? Right. That, that's really what you got to be shooting for. And that really should be your goal at every step of the creative process. You know, you want to make an impact. You want to you kind of justify why this, this thing's existence. Because if someone just consumes it and they're just like, man, yeah, that, that is what it was. And it's like, oh, you blew it. Actually, we said we were going to. You had a question, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Go ahead. You actually kind of have uh, two questions, if that's OK, kind of equally important to me. Um, uh, Daniel actually started to answer the question uh, while I was waiting, and uh, this is um, pertaining to um, 
Is this going to fall right on our heads? <laughs> I mean, can you hear that? I feel or? like I'm in an episode there's of Black a, Mirror because there's, there's like actually, static and like noises. And is that what that is? A, a creepy uh, Asian demon's going to come out of the screen. I, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. She's yeah. cool. She's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's I, not going to kill you. She'll kill me. My, my Tourette's coming out. <laughs> or Scorpios. You're fine. So what I wanted to know, um, especially since a lot of you said that you have uh, self-published in the past, is once you have self-published, like some of the steps that you took to go from it's out there to actually people recognizing that it's out there. to. Oh, uh, I'm going to bow out of this one. All that <laughs> marketing a, stuff. That's a tough one. Ugh. I mean, on my side of things. I, I know it's like, vital. I just, I hate it. Yeah. And, I, and because I hate it, I suck at it. I got you covered. <laughs> I like marketing. <laughs> Um, it's rough because, I mean, coming from the publishing side of things, I mean, I am a creator uh, that runs a company. And uh, the hardest part is, is actually getting retailers to pick it up and recognize it. Um, that's, that's the big bottleneck. That is, yeah, it's rough because, I mean, everyone wants to read something. Why would, they, why would they spend their dollars on that when I can throw in another Walking Dead? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's rough. So uh, for us as a company, the biggest hurdle has been and still is... Uh, people recognizing Action Lab as, as a company. Um, so, I mean, it's not even probably answering your question because your question is, how do I get recognized as a creator? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's small victories, really, and, and they add up. I, the one thing I can, is just build a body of work. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. Just be, you know, put the work out there because the work is ultimately going to be bigger than you anyway. So, but... Like I said, this is all fairly conjecture on my part. Ask someone who does it. You probably know way more about the self-publishing part. Um, so my form of self-publishing is pretty related to zine culture, meaning that I just photocopy comics at like a Kinko's and fold and staple them myself. At least I used to. Um, those were the first books that I ever put out. And at the same time I was posting those comics that were in those books online, uh, someone pointed out to me that I'm one of the creators who's been posting comics online for possibly almost the longest. I've been doing it since 1999. Uh, I used to post comics on my live journal, if that means anything to anyone. I was anyone just saying I really miss live journal. Like, that could be a whole other panel. in a very but... secret sense. But, um, <laughs> Uh, a lot of times when I talk to people about self-publishing, um, they have this misconception that if you're going to put a book together, it has to be all new material that no one has ever seen before. So I've had some people who draw comics and post some of them online right now asking me, like, well, could I actually make a book of those? Would people buy them? And the answer is yes. Uh, all of my top shelf books are comics that I previously published myself and that they then republished. Um, and the most important thing for me when I was self-publishing those first books before I was doing books with Top Shelf was really just going out to zine fests and comic shows and maybe not even necessarily tabling but just giving my comics to people who either inspired me or who I just wanted to see my work but not in a capacity where I was like I want you to look at this because I want you to publish it I never right. gave my book to a publisher at a convention which is actually a pretty important thing because I know from a company like Top Shelf's perspective is they get handed like hundreds of books at a convention and then they get thrown in a box and maybe they never look at them again. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you want to make a bigger impact with something like that, um, no. find a publisher, first off, a publisher who publishes work that is similar to your own. Like I would never send Marvel my, you know, comics I didn't. about... 
you know, farting yeah. on my boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> uh, Peter Bag did a pretty great Hulk story, though I gotta say. Oh yeah. But they went out. Course. They went out looking for it. Um, an assistant editor tracked them down. But you want to find a publisher who does stuff that is similar to what you're doing, so that you would fit in under the umbrella of what they publish, um, yeah. and then send it to them personally. Um, Will you still love me if I wet the bed? Was a public was a comic that I self published, um, and I had sold out of it fairly quickly, and I just thought, oh, maybe someone wants to publish this, so I just sent them a copy of the handmade book with just like a sloppy note on a piece of like notebook paper that was like, hi, do you want to publish this? Please, thank you. <laughs> and that was how I got my job. Did you send it to Brent or you sent it to I uh, said Chris? It, here's the important part. I sent one to Brett and one to Chris because I noticed that they both live in different states yeah, and yeah. that actually helped the process go much faster because it wasn't like did, did they have that the moment book. where like, like man, I, have, I saw that I got this really book in mail, it's good, real cool book in the mail. Yeah, I got a real cool book in the mail. Oh, me, me first, Brent. <laughs> and then, oh my God, it's the same book. I have no idea what the conversation was, but... That's the way I see it going. Um, one of the coolest things about having a book, I think, is to touch on something Liz said, is like, like I went to New York Comic Con and I ran around, and I didn't have a table. I just ran around the stack of my books, seeing friends of mine that I had like made friends of theirs on Twitter, or we follow each other's <laughs> blogs or whatever. And um, you know, sometimes we'd send each other PDFs of comics, but it was just cool to go up to each other and be like, "Here!" And like, you know, they were like, "Here!" And I like traded books with friends. So I came like I'm flying home from New York City with this like stack of really cool books that I were just given to me to read. And I'm not a publisher. I'm no big deal, but it's just part of the community of like, you read each other's stuff, you talk about it. Like, I I live in Wilmington, which is a very big film and TV city, um, and I get a lot of people that like talk to me at events where I speak or little local comic shows, and they're like, um, I'm a big movie guy, but I want to write comics, and I'm always like, do you read comics? And they're like, I did when I was a kid, and I'm like, full stop. Yeah. <laughs> You want to write comics. You want to write comics because you want to get... This, yeah. this, you think this is the back door. Right. You want to walk in dead. Right. Nah. Mm-hmm. Just go write movie scripts because that's what you love and it'll, it'll show. Um, but if you want to write comics, you got to love reading comics. So for me, it's hugely awesome to go to a con with 20 copies of my book, sell none of them, trade them all to people whose work looks cool, go up to the table yeah. and be like, oh my gosh, this is about nuns fighting vampires. May I read that and we can trade? And... Just ask people if they want to trade, and usually they're like, "Yeah, sure." I've never had anyone refuse me a trade. I mean, I don't ask to trade for like pieces of original artwork, but I ask to trade like printed books with people, and um, that's just another big because you never know. Like you, you know, you you've traded because you were interested in their work, but they read your work too. And if having other people in the industry love what you do is the surest, and think that you're a nice person, and they enjoyed talking to you, and they traded your book, and they got to know something about you by reading it, and, you know, they send you an email being like, dude, that one panel cracked me up, like, and it's just, it just fosters that network of people that love, love comics, so yeah, once you self-publish your book, um, love it, and let other people love it, I think, and, and love theirs too. I have a little anecdote I want to share with you, and from something that you said, so, I've known Chris Staros for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he and I were walking out of a convention uh, one day. convention was done, and he's carrying this bag. And we're walking, walking, just talking, talking about different stuff. And I'm just kind of following him. And we, two, three blocks, four blocks, we're going. The whole, time, the whole while, I'm assuming he's just headed back to his hotel. Uh, 
And then he stops and kind of looks around, uh, opens up the bag, and dumps all these books into a trash can on the street corner. I'm like, well, this is too heavy? You give up? He's like, that's all the books that people gave to me. I'm like, why don't you just leave them at the show? He's like, he's like, for all I know, they only gave away one copy, and they see it in the trash can, and they knew I threw it away. So he like went way out of the way, and I was like, and then I'm like, oh, okay. And then, so we're walking back this time, and I'm like, well, what if something was really good? He's, he said, whether it was good, bad, or otherwise, he said, if they really meant it, if they really want to be published, they'll send me one in the mail. Like, it, it, he, they're looking for a level of commitment because they understand that's what it takes, especially, you know, Top Shelf is, is a publisher, an established publisher. Those guys work their asses off. You know, I mean, I remember when they did the Craig Thompson book and, like, they just put everything on the line, you know, it's all their money. Um, it, they are looking not just at your work, they're looking at how hard you're willing to drive for it. Yeah, are you willing to go all in yeah. and get a 46 cent postage stamp? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah, well, postage costs I mean, right and, now. But, and also on the, on the publishing side, I just uh, sent out a bunch of rules, stuff, it's not 46 like If they say anymore. we need X, Y, and Z, to submit to this company, and you give them X and Y, then they're not going to look at that at all because you couldn't even yeah. follow the simple instructions yeah. on the internet. The part yeah. on when you're a kid and you get your report card, and there's the part that says listens to and follows directions. They want to oh, know yeah. if you forgot that as soon as you got out of elementary school or if but, you continued. But I will say that tradesies do work at conventions. Uh, Jeremy Whitley uh, sat next to me. I had no idea who he was. He gave me the first version of Princeless, which had uh, questionable art. And uh, it went in a box, and this is before Action Lab had started, and then one day I opened that box and read it and said, if this had a, a different artist, it could be awesome. So I signed myself up as letterer and, uh, and helped color it and got him a new artist, and then you know that book became our biggest book. Um, so it, it does work. It just doesn't work on the time frame that you think it will. You know, It's never going to happen overnight. Uh, because if you do send something to someone, there's, no, I mean, there's, a, there's a big chance they're not going to see it. So, yeah. And sometimes you get lucky. And also maybe don't, don't focus on like, I understand you want to put your best foot forward, and you do, but the, the most important thing is to, to build that body of work because the first thing that gets a publisher's notice might not be your first, first work. Sure. But then once the gears start rolling, then you can, you can go back and you can reprint your older work or you know, if you still want it to get out there. Um, it, you can... You have something for that brand, you know, someone picks up your book and they're like, I've never heard of this person, but I read it and it's really good. And, oh, they got all this stuff online. You know, now you kind of keep them on the hook and it, they spent some time with you and, they've, and now, now they're way more primed to pick up your next book when it comes out. So it's 345 and there are a bunch of questions. So let's do some like rapid fire. <laughs> like we'll do some questions and we'll get through them without ram. Like, well, well, we'll try to not ramble. I'm bad. I'm the worst rambler. So just ignore me. But. Uh, your question. Yes. Uh, hand. yes. Um, as an artist, is it more valuable to have like your own develop your own unique style, or is it better to be um, be able to adapt to the um, most the popular trending styles at the time? The most important thing is that you you have the fundamentals down, and your storytelling yeah. is solid. Exactly. Because there is. It, 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 you don't, it doesn't have to be like conventionally beautiful or cool looking. If the storytelling is there, then that's really that's the functionality. That's that's where art functions in the comic book. 
And if style is overshadowing any yeah. any substance that you may have or you don't have, mm-hmm. then you got to go back to the basics. Yeah, and and I don't, I'm not singling you out on this. If you're showing your artwork to editors and they're saying they're giving you, they're saying you should be doing more of this, less of this. You need we need to see more of this. Um, it's very easy to say, well, that's just a stylistic choice. Like, really look at it hard. Say, is it or is it? I just don't want to draw that stuff. I mean, like some artists, they uh, they get sought out for their style. Af- after this is like about to explode. I want to let her please. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really I have really strong opinions on this because I know a lot of people who can, who just like draw in so many different styles that they don't have a style that is their yeah, yeah, own. Yeah. Um, which means that they work on a lot of different books because they can draw like Adventure Time on model, and they could also draw Spawn. But you, but no one ever looks at those books Great. and is like, "Wow, oh, that's them. this is so and so." They're just like, "Oh, this looks exactly <laughs> like the TV show." So, I mean, personally, I think it's more important to have something that reads as yours when you draw it, something that someone could see your hand in. Um, if you want to see a really good example of art that kind of sucks but works in a story, come by my table, A15. <laughs> but yeah, I have my favorite types of artists, and the ones that I really seek out to work with are the ones where you can just look at a corner of a panel and be like, oh, that's, I mean, that's Bernie Wrightson, that's Mark Texera, you know, people, that's Mike Mignola. Not that I've worked with all these guys, I've worked with Tex. Um, but yeah, it, it's very important. To, but it's the, the question was, what's most important? Get your storytelling, you know, your fundamental stuff down, and then build on that. You know, then develop your style. Um, I see. I know. I've, I've people have handed me a lot of work. They're good at drawing pictures, but they don't know. They don't understand how the mechanics of a comic book. Now to tell a story in those pictures. That's really the key thing. And then once you get that down, and it becomes, you know, like anything else, first you have to learn it, then you forget it, because it's, it's just there. Then you work on your style. And your style will evolve over time. I mean, look at Scotty Young. You know, he showed up on the scene, very tag artist kind of thing, big hands, big feet, kind of overblown. And you look at Scotty's stuff now, and he's in that, he's in that group. Like, you, you spot a little bit of him, and be like, oh, it's Scotty. And you see that little, those little, those little squiggly thing. Oh, it's Scotty. It's him. You know. Ten years ago, you couldn't. There was. There's. He looked like half a dozen or a dozen other artists. Yeah. Like, how do you get your comics out there if you're a kid? Web comics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good. Put them on. I'll put them on the web. That's that because you're gonna. I mean, I, I think I've had some comics that sold a lot of issues. They're pushing a half a million. There's web comics out there that, you know, like seven year olds draw. It gets seen, seen by two, three, four million people. Mm-hmm. Web comics are it, man. <laughs> like, totally do that. It's such a huge resource. And it's just to get your work out there and get people seeing it, yeah. Because it's, you talk about level of commitment, you know. And, and, and there's all these really cool resources for web comics, too, like Comic Rocket and stuff that make it searchable. I like this type of comic, but you also might like this, you know. And you just, all you have to do, all you have to do is click on it, bang, they're on your page, seeing your stuff. Don't have to go to the store. Don't have to get, they don't have to get off the couch. <laughs> I realized I raised my hand. Teacher, call on me. Um, I just want to say that if you're young and you're drawing comics, 
Um, I really hope that you're drawing comics because you love drawing comics and you don't worry about whether or not someone's going to see it or someone's going to yeah. like it. Um, and also, don't be afraid of just trying new things or, you know, my first comics, I was literally just copying Disney comics, like panel for panel. And that was how I learned how to draw. So, you know, like try different things and your style is definitely going to change if you're young. I mean, even if you're old, if you keep drawing, you have to get better. There's almost no way for you to get worse. So, unless you're me, go check out my team. <laughs> questions? Oh, that's questions? so awesome. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh. Okay. Oh, sure. All right. Sure. All right. So we've been told we have to leave, yeah. but if anyone has any questions for me specifically, you can come by my table and I'll answer anything about um, making comics that you want to know.